Hello, I'm Donald Johannesson, and thanks for joining me on Speaking Out. Thanks for tuning in to this Flash Blacks program featuring inspirational Indigenous Australians who have featured on Speaking Out over the last 25 years. In this program, we'll look at the remarkable achievements by outstanding Aboriginal Australians from the last quarter of a century. And you'll hear from people such as Luke Carroll, Charlie King and Aboriginal leader Pat Dodson. But first, a song. This is Robbie Miller and the inspiration behind this song was someone really close to me, someone I love really dearly. I went through a pretty tough patch in their life and lost someone really close to them. And uh, I guess they really struggled to find the answers and why why that that bad thing happened to them, and kind of just explores those those different variants of of what they went to to try and find closure. Uh, yeah, song called the pain. Seasons are changing, yet it stays the same. Plead out for innocence, but still take the blame. No other choices, but still we must choose. Even the winners will soon come to lose. Now the faith has no cure, no lovely. Book is unopened, the ending is known. Someone should have said that we'd be outgrown. Faster and faster, the blood starts to slow. Head full of knowledge, till nobody knows. Now the faith has no cure, no love left to endure, all of the pain that's to the dark. This 
is speaking out. If you'd like to podcast the show later or previous shows, find the podcast links at abc.net.au slash speaking out. I'm Donald Johannesson and you're listening to a special Speaking Out Flash Blacks program on ABC Local Radio, Digital Radio and Radio Australia. In 2010, Luke Carroll joined Rihanna Patrick not long before he made his debut on ABC TV's Play School program. It's famous for the Arch Window and co-stars Big Ted and Humpty Dumpty. But for one young Aboriginal actor, it's the gig of a lifetime. Luke Carroll is best known for his work in the children's program Liftoff, but he shot to fame in 2002 when he grabbed the lead role in the movie Australian Rules. Since then, he's gone on to appear in the miniseries Ran, The Alice and had a short stint on Home and Away. But now he's getting ready for the role that many young actors can only dream about. There's a bear in there and a chair as well. Luke, how does it feel to be an, one of our latest Indigenous presenters on Play School? Very, uh, well, I'm very honoured. Uh, I mean, I, I grew up on Play School, as I'm sure many young Australians did uh, early on in their uh, childhood. So yeah, to be asked to be, to be a presenter on such a prestigious and honourable sort of show. Yeah, I'm just over the moon, stoked. Um, still can't believe it, really. You know, I've been on it, been filming now for the last month, and it's you know, I still walk in there thinking, how the hell did I end up here? But uh, yeah, like I'm, yeah, I'm honoured, and it's a great little gig, you know. And it's a regular gig, and you know, there's been presenters on there for many years. So as an actor, uh, it's great to get regular work. So yeah, I'm pretty happy about that. And it's quite rare for a young actor to get a gig on Play School because they normally like you to have quite a bit of experience behind you, but they obviously saw something special in you. Yeah, definitely. Like you said, yeah, um, it is unusual for uh, someone so young. I think if it's calling me young. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, experience-wise, yeah, I've been I've been in the industry for a long time since a kid, so I suppose they must have looked at that and, yeah, maybe the life experience sort of thing I haven't got much of yet. But, uh, but yeah, and certainly in terms of um, being in the industry, yeah, I've got a lot of that. So, yeah, it's great. I'm... Maybe I could be the youngest ever, maybe. I have to look into that. But um, I know I'm the first male Indigenous, I think, uh, presenter on there. So that's an honour. Yeah, and um, it's a great sort of family that they have there already set up. And it made me feel really welcome. So, What's it like working with other actors who have been around the traps? I mean, there's some well-established names among the Play School presenter crew. Have you been learning quite a bit on the job about how you actually do television for children? Definitely, yep. Uh, it's a world-oiled machine, play school. Um, the presenters, they're really helpful. Uh, they've been really, really helpful, actually. Um, I was quite nervous when I first walked on set, but not only were the presenters really sort of calm and relaxed, but the whole crew, and that made me sort of slip into that mode as well. So it's been great. You know, there are a lot of rules because it is children's television, so it's sort of really strict in that regard, so I've learned a lot about that as well. But at the same time, it's so funny, you know, you're singing and you're dancing for, you know, preschools, basically. And I'm learning new songs that I've never sort of learnt before and making stuff. So, you know, I wasn't the best with my hands at school, but I've certainly um, got to come up with something uh, in one place. So, yeah, it's great. And I'm learning new skills, so it's good. So what did your family think when you told them they're going to see your face on play school? I think they were probably the most excited they've ever been when I've told them I've got a job, yeah. Play, like I said, play school's... Everybody knows play school in Australia. So for them, they were yeah, over the moon. And I've got a nine-year-old son, so he, he's a bit old for play school but I'm sure he'll um, tune in every now and then and watch me. What was the audition process like because my understanding is to be even asked for an audition is a prestigious thing and it's a very unique thing not everyone gets asked. Exactly right. Um, when I got a phone call from my manager I was like are you sure they want me like 
and they said, no, 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 they've asked for you speci- specifically. Um, and I believe, I think they only, they only um, auditioned every six or so years or something. So, yeah, to, just to be asked is a, was an honour. But unfortunately, I couldn't be there for the first audition, so I sent a tape of myself in there. Um, they liked what they saw. They asked me up for a callback. And uh, a week later, after the second callback, I got a phone call saying oh, I got the job. So I was like, just rang my mum straight away and rang my little fella. Yeah, so yeah, it was great. So where does it fall in the grand scheme of your CV so far? Oh, it's up there. It's definitely up there. Um, you know, a lot of my stuff's been the acting sort of thing. So presenting is something I'm getting into, been getting into lately. And I uh, place with the top. He's up right up there with the Deadly, I suppose. Um, Deadlies is pretty good hosting. So because it's been around for so long, like I kept saying, um, it's. It's an honour, and yeah, it's right, right up there. Considering a lot of our population is under the age of 15 and a lot of those are zero to five, is it going to be daunting when you see your face on one of those face cards that they hand out and know that people aren't just going to be looking for Jay Guy anymore because there's another black man on the program? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty daunting, and uh, I've been told I shouldn't just necessarily worry about the kids but uh the mothers uh, <laughs> i might get a mob by the mothers as well but um no yeah it'd be great and i did a show called lift off a children's show on uh with screen on abc years ago in the early 90s so you know it was the same sort of similar audience and i remember you know i was only 12 years of age at the time so i remember walking in what shopping centers or in public places and kids recognized me so and they're crazy the kids don't hold out you know if they recognize you from tv they come straight up to you they think they know you so um, so that'd be, I'd be great to live that, relive that again. But yeah, I love children. I'm, I'm just, I just love it, and I'm so happy that I've, I'm able to do play school. And so now that you've got play school on the CV, where do you go from here with your career? Jesus, good question. That's uh, probably the pinnacle, isn't it? No, um, it's still I love to act. Um, I've got a film coming out early next year. Um, it's got a, premiere in LA in a couple of weeks so I'm ho- hoping to get over there and I'm hoping to get more work in LA or, or some work in LA I suppose um, that's that's in, uh, what I'll see myself doing in the future hopefully film, some films over, overseas so I want to get over there and test the market soon uh, on the back of this film that's been released over there Luke Carroll there and that movie that he's talking about is called Needle and it's been selected for the Scream Fest in LA which is considered the Sundance of horror movies but you won't get to see Luke in that film in Australia until early next year. However his first Play School episode will go to air in November so make sure you keep an eye out for him. Play School presenter Luke Carroll in 2010 with Rihanna Patrick. Your children's favourites are all in one place. The ABC Shop. Welcome to the Wiggle House. From the Wiggles, T-shirts, dominoes and an adorable Emma doll. Fireman Sam fans will love this cosy quilt cover and handy hooded towel. There you go, Mandy. Safe and sound. Bing Things, a great range of toys from the beloved bunny. Yup, I'm all good up now. <laughs> And fun reads with these big books from Play School. New fun for little ones at the ABC Shop. I'm Donald Johannesson and you're listening to a special Speaking Out Flash Blacks program on ABC Local Radio, Digital Radio and Radio Australia. In 2004, Aboriginal leader Pat Dodson delivered his inaugural ANU Reconciliation Lecture. In his speech, Mr Dodson drew on Aboriginal knowledge of the seasons to open up his discussion. Tonight, with the thanks of ATSIC Radio, I'm able to bring you the highlights of the inaugural ANU Reconciliation Lecture. The honour to present the university's first reconciliation lecture was bestowed on an individual who is seen by many as the father of reconciliation. 
Pat Dodson is the founding chairperson of the Council for Aboriginal Reconciliation. He served in that position for six years before resigning in 1997 over the debate about native title sparked by the WIC decision. Seven years later, Pat Dodson finds himself still talking about unfinished business, that is, native title, an apology to the stolen generations, and now the need for a democratically elected forum to represent Indigenous interests at the national, state and regional level. In his speech titled Beyond the Bridges and Sorry, Mr Dodson draws on Aboriginal knowledge of the seasons to open his discussion about the two key anniversaries that mark National Reconciliation Week. It is now the middle of the dry in the Kimberley, the Bugana, the southeast wind time. In the country of the Gunnyandi, along the boundaries that they share with their southern neighbours, the Walmajeri, on the edge of the great sandy desert, the Barala, the pools, are still full from the Woola, the rain of the wet, which has been driven back into the ocean by the southeast winds from the distant desert. The desert is alive with the new growth of the season. Our history has dictated that we, the original owners of this land, must share our country with peoples from many other lands. We acknowledge this reality, the need to share and recognise the interest of those who have come and now occupy and exploit our land. National Reconciliation Week was established with two significant events in our national history as the focus of the week. The first was May the 27th, 1967, the day when 91% of the voters of Australia sought to allow the Commonwealth Parliament to make laws with respect to Aboriginal people wherever they lived in Australia and to include Aboriginal people in national censuses. The second was to recognise the day in June, the day June the 6th in 1992, when the High Court of Australia handed down its Mabo ruling that forever removed the legal fiction of terra nullius from the non-Indigenous law of this country. In 1992, the Mabo judgment offered us all an opportunity and indeed a challenge that called for a national acceptance and sharing, based as it was on the recognition that Indigenous Australians still had rights despite the invasion and occupation of our lands. There are millions of Australians that have recognised and embraced the opportunity that these events have presented to us as a nation. Unlike many others, they have sought to learn and understand the reality of our shared history. They have gone into their schools, their workplaces, their centres of worship and their sporting clubs and they have said, here is an opportunity for healing and understanding, an opportunity for something profoundly better than what has gone before us in this country. They have gone to the places where justice is administered and said, we must learn to understand the circumstances of dispossession and deal with the disadvantage and destabilisation of the first Australians in a true and proper manner. They have placed their symbols of our Indigenous society alongside their own in recognition that a shared country requires a society of equals with all the rights and responsibilities that this entails. Australians of courage and vision walked across bridges in every part of this land in recognition of the fact that we are all Australians and that we do really have something to share. Pat Dodson delivering his speech titled Beyond the Bridges and Sorry.
for the inaugural ANU Reconciliation Lecture back in 2004. I'm Donald Johannesson and thanks for joining me for this special Flash Blacks program featuring stories from outstanding Indigenous Australians from the last 25 years on Speaking Out. In 2008, ABC Sports broadcaster Charlie King was joined by Rihanna Patrick shortly before he made his way to the Beijing Olympic Games. It's the big one, isn't it, off to the, uh, the Olympics. And, you know, I can remember getting excited about covering my first footy match and then, you know, then a local cricket match and then gradually uh, doing things like international cricket and AFL matches. And each time you think, gee, it doesn't get much better than this. I can't imagine what it's going to be like at the Olympic Games. I've done the Commonwealth Games, of course, but the Olympic Games and uh, in China, uh, it's the big one, I think. We've explored a couple of the athletes uh, on this program who will be making history in terms of the sports that they're representing, but you're making history yourself for the ABC. I am, and I'm, I'm pretty proud of that. I'll be the first Indigenous broadcaster uh, to cover the Olympic Games for ABC Sport. And I've been reminded of that. I must say the uh, phone calls I've had and good wishes I've had from other Indigenous people, not just in Darwin and across the Territory, but right around Australia, has been really nice. So the word got out pretty quickly. I guess the ABC weren't backward in uh, making it known that they were sending me to the Olympic Games. And, you know, I'm proud of that. And I, I won't be letting the team down, I can tell you. I'll make sure I do a good job of what I do. You feel that extra pressure, don't you, when you're placed in positions like this, but I'm, I'm a proud Indigenous person going to the Olympic Games. Do you know what sports you'll be covering yet once you hit Beijing? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we've already, already been given those. I'll be uh, reporting on 13 different sports. I'm looking forward to doing the boxing, and I'm doing things like the equestrian, and I'm doing the, the football and the weightlifting and judo and water polo and table tennis, triathlon, beach volleyball, the walks and diving and the list goes on and on. I'm just, I just hope I can store away enough information to come across as a little bit knowledgeable when, uh, when my chance comes to, to actually uh, report on them. Now the boxing have got some, uh, some interesting Indigenous athletes there, Arthur Little and uh, Paul Fleming as well. Now my understanding is, is that Arthur Little is the first Western Australian dual Olympian? Yes, that's right. That's right, and we're looking forward to him. He's a real chance as well, and he's been in good form, and he's uh, he's a confident young man. And, uh, of course, you know, the, the boxing is always tough for Australia. We don't do that well. I mean, we never come away with, with medals at, uh, at the Olympic level, but certainly he's, he's in with a chance. And you just need an ounce of luck, you know, at, uh, at that level, and uh, you come away with a medal. And what a great achievement that would be for either of those two boxers, or any of those boxers, in fact, to be able to get medals for Australia. It must be a great feeling to be an athlete going off to the Olympic Games and you know you get one shot at the big time and you've just got to give it your all. So I feel for them, they must feel enormous pressure for good luck to them all. Charlie, do you know what to expect once you hit Beijing in terms of what the broadcasting's going to be like and, and just what you're expecting? Well, I, I, some of the broadcasting we'll be doing is off for Tube, of course, which, uh, which will be new for me, although... I've done quite a bit of television work before, but actually calling sport off a television screen will be a little bit different because you can't all get to the event themselves. You know, there's only so many places made available for the media, so some people miss out. So in some cases we're doing that, but some of them, like the triathlon and the walks, will be reporting, you know, on the route. So we'll be standing at some point, and uh, ABC, who do such a wonderful coverage of the Olympic Games, they'll have broadcasters at different places, and they'll just cross to us as, as the athletes make their way towards us so that in itself is going to be just fantastic we we hear all the bad things about 
the smog, the conditions, and it's hot and all those things. But whenever people say that to me, I say, well, what about the athletes? I mean, there they are performing. The last ones we want to be worrying about are the, the broadcasters, how we're going to cope with it. But, yeah, I'm, I've got some sort of idea on what's waiting for me, having visited, ha- having visited China six months ago I visited Shanghai and spent a couple of weeks there so uh, I know I know what's waiting for me although Beijing might be a different story altogether and the being the Olympics I'm sure things will have changed quite considerably. I know that some of the uh, ABC news reporters have been taking language lessons in the lead up to Beijing and, and heading across to report for the ABC. Have you had to do language lessons as well? No, not at all. Gee, I'm struggling to uh, get my research done on the sports I'm covering without trying to learn uh, a Chinese language. That would be just absolutely beyond me. I'm hoping that uh, the people I have to deal with are, are going to be able to understand what I'm talking about. I don't think I'll be wanting too much anyway. We'll travel from our accommodation to the broadcast centre which is only about three or four kilometres so basically we'll beat a path I think from where we sleep to where we work and then back home again. We'll work shifts from you know 10 in the morning or midday starts and then finishing at midnight so by the time we finish and get home and have something to eat and have a sleep it's time to get up and do it all again. The one thing Rhiannon I'm really desperate to find out is I'm such a morning runner I love getting up in the morning and going for a run and I'm just hoping that uh, there's going to be somewhere where I can actually run. I hope that it's not so tight there with security that they don't allow us to to run around the streets because that's what I want to do. I do know there's a gym in the centre where we're working, but I'm just thinking with all the journalists that are going to be there, they'll all be queuing up to get on the treadmill and work out in the gym, but I want to get out in the street and have a run if that's possible. Maybe you can get a Hash Harriers team together for the Media Village. Maybe we could do that. Yeah, I wonder how many would be keen to... I'm an early riser, and I believe the sun's up at about 4.30 in the morning there, so that'll probably wake me up, and I'll be keen to get going as early as possible, so I'll put the word out. I'll see if some of those ABC broadcasters like Glenn Mitchell and uh, Drew Morford, whether they might be keen to get up in the morning to uh, come for a run, but I doubt it very much. You describe yourself as a... Is it an Irish-Scottish Gurindji man? Yes, my mother's a Gurindji woman, my dad, my father was Scottish and my dad's Irish, so I'm a mixture of all of that. I must say I don't hang out much with the local Irish community. I've had very little to do with the Scottish community, although I've visited both those places, but I, I identify much more with my mother's people, the Gurindji people, and I travel down and visit Kalkaringji and Dugaragu and places like Limbanya where she came from and I know the Gurindji people down there and it's always such a nice feeling to go back to my mother's country and be part of that and to meet other Gurindji people as well which I often do. Is it true that your family um, because you were born in Alice Springs but that some of your family is actually flying to Darwin to see you off tomorrow? Yeah they're coming up and it's quite interesting really and they I made a little joke that maybe they think I'm going to be standing at the airport in an Olympic tracksuit or something but some of them are just coming up there visiting Darwin because it's a great time of the year to visit and it's a big family here already so I don't know whether they'll all turn up at the airport but we're going to have a bit of a family gathering and a bit of a laugh and a chat and everyone will be putting in their orders saying don't forget me uncle bring me back a t-shirt or get me this and get me that and I'll be saying yeah I'll do it all and then hope I remember when I get there. You're listening to Speaking Out on ABC Local Radio and if you've just joined me, I'm talking to Grandstand presenter Charlie King who's heading to Beijing and who'll become the ABC's first Indigenous broadcaster to cover an Olympics. Charlie, what made you want to become a sports broadcaster? It's an interesting story, I think, because I'd worked 
20 years prior to joining the ABC in, uh, in human services and in particular working in family violence and child abuse. And after so many years working with bruised and battered and damaged children and families, it just got to the point, Rhiannon, in the end where I just simply couldn't do the work anymore. And I've often said this to people, unless you've held you know, a two-year-old child in your hand that's just been so severely physically abused that you don't think they're going to make it through the night. You don't understand just how demanding that work is and I always will take my hat off to those child protection workers and those family violence workers because it is such a tough job and really when you see the level of uh, family violence and child abuse that happens in our community and I'm not just referring to the indigenous community I think in the broader community as well because I've worked right across when you see the level of it you just wonder what we have become as an Australian nation, what have we become to allow this level of abuse to happen where our women don't feel safe, where one in four of them have been abused either physically or sexually, and where our children can't go to bed at night without living in fear that they themselves are going to be abused. I just think we really need to take a, a look at ourselves and say what is important to us and, and realise that what is important to us is to have a safe community. That's the reason in the end I just couldn't do that work anymore. I looked for something else to do and I'd been interested in broadcasting for some time and got a break and opportunity and seized it with both hands and I don't regret that but the hard thing is leaving behind that family work and I'm still involved actively with a number of organisations and with the community itself in working in that field and speaking out when I get the opportunity as I'm doing on speaking out now to say that you know we need a safer community and we need all of us and in particular the men to stand up and say this has to stop we can't allow this to continue to happen our women and children aren't safe. ABC Sports broadcaster Charlie King with Rihanna Patrick from the Beijing Olympics we now reflect back to the 2000 Olympics when Cathy Freeman claimed victory in the 400 metre final on the 25th of September. Away they go. Kathy's final campaign is on the road. Ogden Coyle leads sailing. Then Freeman, Guevara, Graham, Merry. Over on the inside, Fraser collared by Cutley Arava. Still in stagger formation. 250 to run. Freeman well placed. Challenge is going to come from Graham, who's running a big first 200. Merry working away through as well. Ogden Coyle still in front of sailing. Freeman working away through. Graham's going to come at a hard. So is Merry. 130 to run beneath the Olympic flame as they head towards the straight and Graham is just in front of Freeman she's going to have to work Graham, Mary, Freeman Freeman gets to the front, Freeman leads by a metre, Graham fighting on but Freeman is too good the crowd roaring, Freeman wins gold Cathy's the winner Australia the winner Cathy Freeman is a national hero 49.13 her Olympic dream is realised. And I don't think that's physical tiredness that's put Cathy to the track. I think the emotion of the four-year build-up. She is ready to dissolve into tears. You can see it. My first race on the track was as a... Ooh, I think I was five years of age, barefoot, on a patchy grassy oval in central Queensland in Mackay at my school in North Mackay. Interesting start because I ran into a fence before the start of it. So (laughs) I wound up running (laughs) this race with one eye open, which is probably typical of how I live my life. I think maybe it set me up forever. A bit one-eyed. Yeah, a bit (laughs) one-eyed, single-minded. 
And it, I won. I won the. I won my first race. It was good. Two thousand is the pinnacle, but there was a decade of preparation leading into that games. Mm. Gold medal at the nineteen ninety Commonwealth Games at just sixteen years of age started it all off. How do you look back at the Commonwealth Games golds and indeed yes. back to the World Championships that you won? Well, every single day from the moment I decided that athletics was my life, each day. It was it was important for my personal development and I had to continuously apply myself to my one dream of the pinnacle of my sport, which is an Olympic gold medal. Um, and whilst those 10 years in the lead up to Sydney were the public, where I publicly proved my, my dedication, even seven years previous to that, you know, were just as, you know, relative because as a child, I, I with all of my heart, wanted, really wanted to do take this journey. You talk about making the decision to dedicate your life to athletics, and indeed that was before the 1990 Commonwealth Games. When did you make that decision? Oh, geez, I, I had fantastic support from my parents. And I remember as a 10-year-old, six years before I went away to the Commonwealth Games in Auckland in 1990, putting up on my wall, I am the world's greatest athlete. And, you know, my sense of happiness and just the sheer joy of running just seemed to carry me away and it certainly carried me away in a big way. Cathy Freeman winning gold in the 400 metre final at the Sydney Olympic Games. Well that's it for our Flashbacks program. You can find Speaking Out individual interviews at soundcloud.com forward slash ABC Speaking Out or like us at facebook.com slash ABC Speaking Out and even check out our YouTube page. Just type in ABC Speaking Out. I'm Donald Johannesson and this has been Speaking Out on ABC Local Radio, Digital Radio and Radio Australia.